I remember just walking up to his office and saying, that's it, I'm done. And he said, what do you mean you're done? It, you know, you, <laughs> there's no way you're going through the worst time of your life. How is it possible? I said, no, no, no. I'll tell you, I'm done. And I never, I never returned again. And the interesting thing was that I trusted and knew I was going to be okay, that this was the right path for me, that he didn't. Hello and welcome to the Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the bull crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. You know, it must be pretty cool to be wandering through an airport and come across a magazine in which you and your work feature in a three-page spread. And that's exactly what happened recently to my guest today. She's originally from Gibraltar. She has a professional career that covers over 20 years in personal development. She's the author of the book, Look Inside, Stop Seeking, Start Living, Confession, podcast host who hasn't read his guest's book, but you know, okay. Um, yeah, she's previously worked as a therapist and now works uh, coaching busy, time-limited professionals and executives who want to overcome mindset barriers to become better decision makers and action takers without the stress, anxiety, overwhelm and burnout. Now, that's all well and good, of course, but this podcast is all about going behind the scenes um, and getting to know a little more about the coaches coaching life and perhaps their stress, anxiety, overwhelm and burnout. So let's jump right in and do that. A big warm welcome to Michelle Attias. Hello. Hey, Phil. Hello. So nice to be here. Oh, thank you for joining me. So we're going to start, we always start, a little bit of backstory. What got you into the coaching profession? So here was the thing. I was, uh, I was a psychotherapist for about 10 years. I was also a clinical supervisor. And um, about six years ago, I was going through a pretty difficult time in my life, uh, I just split up with my second husband, actually. Uh, I was in a very difficult place. Uh, you know, it was a really, really turbulent time. And I remember I was uh, visiting family in Gibraltar at the time, and I had this aunt who came up to me, and she said, look, surely, I know you're going through a really difficult time, but surely you being a therapist must help you in what you're going through. And I remember this being this huge light bulb moment because in that moment, I just saw that actually having been a therapist for as many years as I had been, seeing countless amount of clients, being in therapy for about 10 years myself, hadn't really made things any easier for me at all. In fact, I'd never felt worse. But I didn't know what else, you know, what other, uh, what other orientation there was. I, I didn't know where else to go with this. But it, it was, it was a very tough time, and I wasn't feeling any better about it. And I had, I think, it was a client who came to see me. Um, I'd been working with her for a while, and she happened to tell me that she'd gone to this Three Principles uh, event. When you know, she was telling me about it, and I remember hearing it and thinking, actually, I'm going to give it a try. So I, I went to a couple of the talks, three principles, I began to learn more about it and, you know, along the time I began to meet coaches and I began to see that where I had in my life seen therapy as a place where, you know, people are fragmented, broken, uh, they need diagnosing, uh, they need to be in therapy. I my whole world was turned around and it was about seeing people full of well-being and full of creativity and full of potential and I just couldn't ignore it and in speaking to these coaches I saw that something big was changing inside me in fact I had a three-day intensive with I think it was um one of the uh, one of the um I think she was one of the associates uh that worked with Aaron. And 
after those three days, I was blown away. Like nothing looked the same again. I was going through a difficult time externally, but internally I was intact. Yeah. Internally, it was calm. My language began to change, whereas before I used to tell people, you know, I can't move on because of what's happening, or I can't move on because I began to notice like little shifts. Like I would say to people, actually, I'm going to move on despite what's happening, or yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Rather than homing on the victim stance, I saw that I was that I was coming from that place and. As I saw the changes in coaching, I, I thought, I cannot carry on being a therapist. It's like, it's like living one religion when you're wanting to be another. You, know, it, you, you can't marry the two. So I closed my therapy clinic down, and I, I just saw the creativity and, and in, in coaching, and I, I was so excited about that. I mean, in therapy, I've been working with people who were... Uh, depressed, suicidal, uh, addicted, anxious, uh, you know, the huge, huge issues. And people were very much stuck in their reality. And, and, and they would come to me for years, and that's how you work in therapy. But with coaching, it felt so dynamic and fun. Yeah, that's what was missing. It was fun. <laughs> so I... Um, so I went and did a, a coaching a coaching certification with with, uh, with Jamie, and I did that for the year. And so it's Jamie Smart, right? Jamie yeah, Smart. Uh, yeah, for Jamie Smart, I did that for the year. And in closing my, my therapy clinic, I thought, okay, so that's great. Like, I'm doing coaching. I'd converted some of my therapy clients into coaching clients, which was amazing. I saw a huge change in them. But there was a business of becoming a coach and a business piece I did not have because as a therapist you had somebody coming you know you had a client who would, first of all they would stay with you for years that was so it was a great <laughs> business arrangement but also they would they would come to you week by week yeah so they were committed for that week and that week only and then the following week so that's how they paid you that is how they showed up and in shifting mindset from a therapist to a coaching mindset where I now had to do coaching programs and propose larger amounts and promise people what the results were gonna be three or six months down the line when I had to have that certainty myself was a whole different ball game and I wasn't ready for that. And and yeah, so that was hard. Well, I, I'm I'm curious what it what it really felt like because uh, you know, I can relate not in the same way, but I can relate to some times in my life where I found myself in a situation and uh, I mean we were talking about this just before we started recording right in my second marriage I, I literally woke up one morning and thought wow I don't feel how I want to feel um, in, in my marriage and I could not stay it became something that mm -hmm. I just knew that I, that I couldn't stay it was as it was as black and white. There, it wasn't something that I could change. It wasn't something that I could fix. Work. I just, I just had this absolute certainty. Yes. So, I mean, what was your what was your therapy business like up to that point? Um, particularly successful, going well, and successful. I was well respected in my field. I was also a clinical supervisor, so I was not only a therapist, but I was also asked to go into organisations. And supervised their therapist, so I had already another level up. I was registered, I was accredited, and it's very difficult to be accredited um, through the British Association of Counseling and Psychotherapy. You have to meet certain criteria. Mm -hmm. And when I left the therapy world, it was like so many years of academic work, of reading up, of essays, of learning, of of all of that. I ha I had to give up because. I couldn't meet the criteria anymore uh, if I was working in a coaching environment. I couldn't, and I, I couldn't lie about that. So I had to step out, but it had been successful up to that point. And, and I worked in some amazing organizations as a therapist and as a supervisor, clinical supervisor. So it was, but I didn't see the value of therapy. I didn't believe in it anymore. I'd seen what life could be like once you were being coached. I had experienced it directly, and I didn't want to shortchange my clients. Mm. Why would I give them, uh, you know, why would I give them measly crumbs when I could give them a whole feast? Mm. Mm -hmm. 
and that's like it's a it's um the the phrase that that occurs to me is like a a personal integrity that appears that you that you cannot be that you can't avoid it's like it's not something you need to work on it's it's something that you simply cannot avoid being in that integrity Absolutely. Integrity is very, very important to me. And I'm a person who seeks truth wherever I go, whether it's with my clients. I'm not interested in nonsense or, or, or building on any lies or any, I just want truth. That's where I want the platform to always start for. So for me personally, I had to start from a platform of truth also. And uh, yeah, absolutely. The, the integrity was, was, was all the way up there. And it was interesting because through that time, as you say, it was quite effortless. And this is how effortless is what it was, that during all those years, for about 10 years, I'd had the same therapist. And I would often think, what would it be like to leave this therapist? Because he was brilliant. I, you know, you have that relationship, that very, very strong connection with your therapist that you become almost semi-needy as well. And I remember when I, when I, when I had this insight and this understanding, I just... I remember just walking up to his office and saying, that's it, I'm done. And he said, what do you mean you're done? It, you know, you, there's no way you're going through the worst time of your life. How is it possible? I said, no, no, no. I'm telling you, I'm done. And I never, I never returned again. And the interesting thing was that I trusted and knew I was going to be okay, that this was the right path for me, that he didn't. And that, 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 that was what was interesting about it. Um, so yeah, truth is important, and 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 that was my truth. So what was the journey like then? Start because I, I I get it. You know, you're very fortunate, perhaps, but in, in able to convert some of your existing clientele into coaching clients. But what what was that first period in you know looking to build a coaching business? What was that like for you? Really really hard really hard i i've been able to get very easy client you know therapy clients were very easy to come by um coaching clients obviously because you were coaching for a long period of time that was far more difficult obviously the therapy clients that i converted into coaching clients initially was great but obviously they were so they got better so quickly that they didn't stay very long right. so i had to create new ones and the creation of new ones became a challenge because the business element of it was difficult, which is why I, I then went into the ACS, into Steve Chandler's uh, Coaching Prosperity School or the Accelerator, Accelerated Client Systems, because I was very curious about how Steve Chandler was. All, all his coaches were doing this. Um, I did. I knew I didn't need more qualifications. I was already a therapist. I didn't need more mental health training. I didn't need any of that. But it was something that I was missing. There was a piece that I was missing, um, and that's what and that's what I went into afterwards. And that's to me was where uh, things really did accelerate. And and from three principles, I opened up into this whole service mentality. That to me, I mean, just embellished it further. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that perhaps one day Steve will actually sponsor this this podcast that he gets mentioned <laughs> on just about every other episode. I can imagine him introducing, you know, hi, this is Steve. Uh, I think, um, yeah, and I did ACS as well uh, five years ago. And it's, yeah, it's one of the best things I've ever done, not just in professional mm -hmm. training, just overall. It's just one of yes. the most amazing things I've ever done. So if you, you've touched on it, but I wonder if you can make it a little bit more real in mm -hmm. if if, um, if there was a spy cam <laughs> watching Michelle's business, what is it you we would see you doing differently as a result of um, yeah what you got out of ACS? Yeah, so what I got out of ACS is a mentality of service, of fearless giving, uh, of just taking yourself out of the equation on a certain level, you know, and and taking on it on to the person that you're serving. So making it fun, I had a lot of fun serving clients. I stopped taking the whole coaching business as seriously. I guess I began to serve and to give to potential prospects or just people that I met in my life. I began to serve just 
just fiercely, and I, I began to, I became, it just, it just impacted me on every level. Like, even six months ago, I was, I, I just to give you an example, I was, um, I was on my way to the gym, and I happened to pop into the, to the bakery, and a guy was sitting there, and we just got talking, 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 talking. I served him in the way that I could. He bought my book, ended up buying my book. He called me a couple of weeks later, and he said, I love it. I want you to be my coach. Now, that was just from that conversation that we had in a bakery. I'd never met him before in my life. So it's just how I showed up was different. Just, okay, tell me about you. Like, let's find out how I can be of service in this conversation. And I hadn't done that before. The preoccupation before was always on me. How am I coming across? Like, you know, should I get more um, Facebook followers? Should I have an email list? Should I market more? And yes, I do a lot of stuff online. I do. Uh, but that's because I do a lot of speaking events and, and that comes up online. But just the whole piece went and it became about expressing rather than impressing, which is something that Steve tends to talk about, is is it's just expressing, expressing the best of me to, to serve someone. And that was very, very freeing. And, and it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. And there is an important subtlety here as well that I talk to um, other coaches about and um, in you know one of my programs that I've done for coaches as well. Um, the, there's a, a difference between looking for the opportunity to help somebody and be of service and looking for an opportunity to sell. Because the opportunity mm. to sell comes after being of service yes. and yes. after helping. And yet I noticed that because I've done this I think we've all done this you know oh here we are I'm a coach I've got the plaque on the wall I've done this that xyz training um acme coaching training ten dollars on the <laughs> internet whatever and uh and and it's like okay well now I want clients because I want mm. money and that's mm. where our focus is so inadvertently the focus is still on us it's like I want money in my bank account who can I get that from? Yeah. So we're looking to make the sale. So there is this shift from like, that's going to show up anyway. The opportunity, the opportunity to make a sale, good grief. It's like some instances with me, that's like showing up with the person practically begging, right? You know, well, we yes. have to do more of this. Like yes. I haven't had to try and even consciously create the opportunity to make a sale. It occurs organically and naturally really out of being of service and of helping people. Yeah, it comes of, uh, from being of service. It comes from making a difference. Uh, it comes from connecting with a person. Uh, and and I suppose when it, I think Rich Litvin said, you know, if you need a client, you know, you don't need a client. You need a job. If 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 you're needing, you know, so if if, if you if you're that needy, then then perhaps you should pause, you know, the client sort of creation for a while because it shows. I certainly have had during my time, during my years, when I was first starting as a coach, when I had other coaches connecting with me, and I could see firsthand that they were trying to see if they could uh, engage me into a client conversation. I could feel it. I could feel the neediness. I could feel that, and I it was palpable. Yeah. So I don't ever, I don't want to come from that place. Um, and so it is very much about making a difference. And, and for me, it isn't just about coaching. For me, it was about uh, also writing. I'm a, I'm a writer also, so I write for about five different online platforms. And I, I'm passionate about words and writing. So what, that's one of the things that you know um, I learned at Steve's as well, was that I felt like I needed to choose. Was it going to be coaching? Was it going to be writing books, which is what I want to be doing? Or is it speaking uh, at events which is something I also love doing and one of the things I learned was that I didn't have to choose that one could actually feed into the other which is exactly what it's done so it isn't just making a difference in coaching it's, it's how can I make a difference when I write an article where can I take this to the next level or when I'm giving a speaking event how can I take this to the next level too so it's constantly coming from that place and it shows it it always shows I mean I, the people who were in Steve's group who who were unbelievable givers and oh my god it was just like amazing to be around amazing 
And what I'm hearing you say, which I love, of course, I mean, you know, I'm a great fan of Steve, as I've said, but um, we don't have to choose. There, but there is one fundamental principle, if you like, um, that I see in anyone who has any kind of success, not just as a coach, but in any kind of heart-centered or service-based profession. And that's the principle of connecting. It's like everything, you cannot have a client with whom you haven't connected. They're just, it, it, it's not possible. So um, if we look to connect, I remember one time in Steve's school, he, he was talking about how he used to go into corporations and most corporations with, if you're giving talks about like soft skills or whatever, they might squeeze your time down. So he like, often get squeezed from a 30 minute slot down to a 10 minute. And, mm-hmm. and he, I remember him telling us a story. He may have shared it with you, of course, where he said, well, because we were asking, well, well, how do you handle that kind of situation where you're you're expecting to give a 30 minute talk and, and you end up only giving 10? And that actually happened to me actually a little earlier, uh, later on last year. Um, and he said, oh, I could give a, a two second talk and it would be of use. And he would just write two words on the board, which would be just connect. So and then he said, well, actually, I could do a one a one word presentation connect and that would be of use. So it's all about connecting. What I'm hearing you say is because I know I've done this and I, and and when I, those times still occur when I'm up in my head wondering what the hell am I going to do and I'm making it really difficult and I just come back to that um, the question of well who do I want to connect with or how do I want to connect mm-hmm. and a friend of mine helped me see actually last summer that even this podcast is a way of connecting with people right so definitely um, definitely everything is a way if that's your intention then it'll come across like that and people will receive it like that. Yeah. So if, if the podcast, you see, I think there's also something about using your own individuality. And I, and I do see a lot of coaches online, they kind of want to be carbon copies of each other. They think, oh, this person was successful in that. I'm going to need to do the same thing as they did. And I think there's something around looking at, I mean, my book is called Look Inside because I really feel that's where it starts and ends. But it's about looking inside you and saying, well, what is it about me that can really make a difference? Now, what Phil can make a difference in might not necessarily be my thing. So, but let me look inside and let me look at what is it about me? Now, I know where I connect best with people is through words and through my writing. I've had uh, radio talk shows in America from an article I wrote. I've had an offer from um, a movie place in LA asking for a reality show from some other article I wrote about divorce. I had people contact me from all over the world because they connect to my content. So because I know that, that's where it tend, that's where I tend to go. And that's where I put a lot of my energies into because that's where I often get clients or I often get uh, requests for a conversation. Uh, but I also, in my coaching with clients, I use words. I use a lot of focus on what words are you using? What's your language? Because that's what I love. So it's also about looking as, you know, if there's a coach that's listening that, that wants to, that sees other people being successful and they're trying to be a successful, look inside, look at what makes me different. What is it that I'm good at that I've sort of dismissed, but that I could possibly shift up the volume of it a little, intensify just a few grades further. And so that's really where we need to keep going is, is, is back in. And questioning that and being curious. I think the whole business around connecting is we we often have a tendency to make it much more complicated than it need be. Uh, I'll suggest to people actually do what you love. Go and talk to people about what you love, what you're passionate about. You don't even have to find out who you really are and who your true self is and, and even work out what your niche is or anything like that. Yes. You just go and talk to people about what you're passionate about. Then kind of you you are showing up anyway by doing that yeah you're showing up absolutely and i think in online they do you know there's a lot about what niche how are you and it feels so manipulative that's what i hate about it it feels like you're it's like you're going hunting if you look at any hunting if you look at any programs on predators and predatorial behavior it's it's very similar to that because you're seeing the predator like hide behind the bushes sometimes disguising themselves in the color of the of the bushes and the way they squirm themselves in to kind of get their victim and that's often what it feels like 
and it's horrible and there are so many options in ways i get about you you've mentioned so many different ways it's like somebody could listen to this and think oh, okay so i'll go and hang out in cafes or or whatever yeah. this is spoken about uh, let me tell you I've, i don't know anybody who's really got many clients from standing in line at starbucks but it's a it's a <laughs> it's an example that's often used although i did get a client one of my first clients in fact i physically bumped into in the street and uh you know she dropped her bag of shopping and and, and stuff but she became a client but anyway so it's, it's like anything really is possible but the 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 point is here is really around connecting with people and you can connect with people in a whole number of ways be it by yes being in the physical locality and meeting them going mm. to places where you mm. meet people i've i've um, picked up uh, i say picked up that's a kind of a horrible term isn't it but <laughs> client people have come to me after they've connected with me at various training events for example or going to evening yes. talks but not as, yes. not as a speaker but just simply being there and connecting with others in the room um but, i think yeah but equally yeah. i had clients come from uh, my book i've got a number of clients yeah, that have yeah. come from from just simply contacted me from writing a book again the podcast as well it's like so you can connect with people in so many ways and i know that people tend to can shy away from that how do i connect yes <sighs> come on nowadays but, but they, there's yeah, so many ways of connecting ways. With sometimes people think okay this person seems to have got a lot of clients from writing a book, I'm going to write a book. Or this person seems to have got a lot of things from doing, giving lots of talks, I'm going to do that. And I think it's about, in a way, shutting the world down a little bit or shutting the world up a little bit, lowering that volume on the rest of the world and lifting up the volume on who we are and, and what we're about and our own voice. So, you know, that's, that's very much to me what it is. One of the first clients I had was when I was transitioning from therapist to coach was in my Zumba class because that's where I'm happiest. I love dancing. I was in my Zumba class, got friendly with a lady. We had so many conversations and I served her in lots of different ways. She turned around and she said, I've got a really close friend who is looking for a coach and I'm telling you, I'm going to bring, you know, I'm going to give her your number. And she became a client for about a year. She was a fantastic client, was still in touch, even well years after she left. But it's where I was in my best, it, I was in my vibe, it was where I was in my best element. So that's really, that's really what it's about. You have to be in joy and, and sometimes you won't be, but that's not the best time to bring clients in. Well, that's not the best time to have those conversations because I think people often see something in you that they want as well. Mm. You know, they, they, they get curious. Look, you know, I, I spent time around this person and they don't seem so bothered about what I'm bothered with or they don't seem as stressed as what I'm stressed with. Or they just seem joyous. And I don't really know what it's about, but I kind of want I want what he's got or I want what she's got. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Harry Met Sally. I want what, yeah, he's, yeah, what, I she's, what she's having. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like that. People want that. A lot of people are disconnected from, from life, from the world. It doesn't matter how successful they are externally there are people who are finding an inability to feel to connect to be close to others and when they see those qualities in others they they, they really want it so just and, to close this piece off then really how are clients generally finding you nowadays a through my articles b um one of the things that i decided uh, quite a while back was that i was going to endeavor to get clients through referrals. Now, if I was going to endeavor to get clients referrals, the way that I was going to have to uh, serve my current clients was going to have to be taken up three or four levels, which is what I did. And so a lot of referrals come from a number of clients who came to me who I served unbelievably well. And they've just sent me, every time somebody says to them, why, you know, you're looking great. They say, well, here's why. Here's Michelle's number. So it, it's, it's, that's been a great, and I, again, I, I would recommend that to anybody, is one of the best ways, and the, and the most, it's just the most effortless ways, is to, if you have at least, even if it's one client, serve them unbelievably well, over and above what you've ever done before, because that person is going to recommend you. That person, when they're speaking to their best friend or their cousin or their sister, is going to say, hey, you need to come to this person. It's the best way. It's there's no marketing cost to it, and you don't have to spend all day on social media. 
it's just a way that you focus on the client and 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 you make it client centered. So that was a that was a great way of me for me doing it. And I can I can like just add to that because one of my favorite clients currently we're now in our third calendar year. Um, she's renewed a few times. Um, came to me and she said, and I, I won't mention any names, but she said so and so recommended that I talk to you. And she sent me, um, she sent me a, a copy of your book. And she used this mm. person's first name, and I didn't recognise it, or whatever. But anyway, we started working together, and it was only after about a month or so, and I told her, and I said to her, okay, you mentioned this person's name. What, what's their full name? She told me, and I'm like, oh, okay. And it was simply somebody I'd had a one-off conversation mm, with like mm. a couple of years before that. Yes, so yes, yes, you know, yes. Referrals doesn't Absolutely. necessarily have to come from, you know, somebody that we've worked with for six months. This was just a one-off conversation. And that person had then gone off and bought my book and was then recommending me Yes, yes. Yeah, and, and that's what it's about, the people, you become unforgettable. And um, whether it's something that they've read in, in your book or which is what happens to me as well. People come to me through my book, uh, through articles, through a talk. I had somebody a few months ago who said to me that her and her boyfriend had come to see one of my talks at the beginning of last year. And she wanted to gift him a present for, uh, for his birthday. It was a very special birthday. And she wanted to know whether she could gift him sessions with me. And, and that was like almost a year later. And that was great. And that was just from a talk. So you never know how it's going to come. But if your intention and your purpose is always to make a difference, but not only make a difference, make the other person feel listened to, acknowledged, heard. Uh, it's not always about pleasing the other person and making them happy or joyous, but it, it might be something that you say that's a little bit controversial, but kind of hits where it needs to hit. Sometimes it's a, it, sometimes it is about that. So, yeah, just just making that difference, and and so that they really don't forget you either. They might not need you right now, but when they do, they'll reach out and connect with you. Yeah. So, Michelle, what's the story behind uh, walking through an airport and finding yourself in a three-page spread? <laughs> well, that was <laughs> <laughs> that was like, that was in Gibraltar. So I'm originally from Gibraltar. And um, yeah, I was invited to uh, present my book at the Gibraltar Literary Festival in last November. So I presented my book, which was really, really exciting. I had to present that to, you know, in front of my high school friends, my family, and it was just amazing to be also with other uh, with other people in the literary world as well. Some well known. Uh, that there were some journalists as well, which I loved and. It was just fantastic to be part of it. And um, there was a journalist uh, in the audience and she wrote an article about uh, me and she'd heard my, you know, she came to one of my talks that I gave at the Literary Festival and she wrote an article, which was lovely. It was really, it was great. So it was lovely to see myself coming out of my hometown, opening a magazine and, and you know, it, 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 it feels pretty amazing also because because I think that, you know, being Gibraltarian, being a woman as well, so it's having published a book as a woman and and, and um, just having gone through so many things in my life and people knowing that, the family knowing that, my friends knowing that, and, you know, they've, they've been a rock for me along that time, but they know that it hasn't been plain sailing, that I've gone through two divorces, kids, single parenting, for, you know, since my kids were babies, uh, you know, very, very, very difficult times and that I can still create out of the remnants of that, of, of difficulty and, and challenge and, and, and also doing something that's a little bit different to my community as well, which is, you know, I'm Jewish, I'm part of the community. Um, the, the general consensus, consensus is that you get married and you have kids and you, you don't go and get divorced and, and create and do your own thing and become a, an independent woman. It's not really, it, it's, it's something a little bit different. So I enjoy that difference. And I hope that inspires the girls that are, that are, that are getting into their teenage years. So it certainly inspired my daughters and I'm very happy mm. about that. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So you touched on that because we, we spoke about this before we started recording, you know, and, and I say it in the intro, um, this is really all about, 
um, providing a, an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Because mm-hmm. I say to all my guests, you know, in the same way as I think it's unhealthy for us to aspire to a Photoshop body image, I also think it's mm-hmm. unhealthy and unhelpful to have people aspire to, you know, Photoshop image of the coaching profession. It's not easy. There's a, yes, there's a low bar for entry. Yes. But as Rich Levin would say, you know, there's a high bar for success, perhaps, perhaps. But to succeed, to create a sustainable coaching business does take work. You know, it's really not about sitting on your sun lounger on a Greek beach making oh, seven oh, figures no. at the weekend. <laughs> um, you know, so I wonder for you, what has been the biggest challenge in building the coaching business that you that you have now? I think the biggest challenge and the biggest block for me uh, was self-doubt, a lack of certainty that I could do this. I think often when, we, when we're trying to create something different, a different blueprint to what we've created so far, we have like a rear view uh, mirror image of the past. And that's all we go on. We don't have a window. We have a rear view. And we look back to the past and we think, okay, the past looked like this and that's all I can create. And that's all I kept looking at and focusing on. That's going to be a repetition of everything again and again. But to actually throw that rearview mirror out and, and begin to look at life through a window that had endless opportunities and opening up was, was pretty huge. And I think that, that obviously having coaches, and I had so many coaches along my years, uh, different coaches, different type of coaches, different type of personalities, which has been amazing for me because each one brought a different element out of me. I'm definitely somebody who believes in definitely shaking things up and getting different coaches along your coaching career. Um, But those coaches really pushed me and pushed me against those, uh, those limitations, that overthinking. Uh, those things I was telling my, I was telling myself that were totally not true. Uh, that desire for perfection, for I won't churn anything out until it's perfect, or until all of that, getting rid of all of that was huge for me. I mean, the fact that I, that I write, that I've done books, that I speak at events, it would just I've been like in not even thought of, even when I was a therapist, not even not even something I would have been possible to do. But I think self-doubt was a huge, big chunk there that needed to be shifted. And every so often it comes back, but I recognize it. I give it its platform, and then I ask it to go away. So what's going on for you, perhaps, behind the scenes that might surprise us? What goes on? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's only you and me. You can share. Come on. (laughs) Um, What goes on behind the scenes? Well, aside from what I do now, I also work for um, an organization um, and I coach their team, and I work with people at the end of life. Uh, so very much at the end of life, Holocaust survivors as well. And just it, it has just it has just given me such. It's so humbling and so grounding because on the one element you've got right success, whatever that means. I don't know because for everybody it means something different. I don't know what it means for you. For me, it might mean something totally. I don't know what success is, to be honest. But it's pizza you know, you've and got a good movie. That's a pizza and a good movie, yeah. good, some good friends or your kids or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like I work coaching people who want to create bigger, perhaps, who want more, who want this, that, and the other. And then you have that. And I have that in my own personal self because I want to create more. And then you have the other side of that, of somebody who is now – ending their life or has been close to death quite a few times, whether it's a Holocaust survivor or somebody uh, who's at an end of life. And it just makes me believe that, you know, what's it all about? You know, what really matters at the end? And for, for most of these people, it's family, friendships, connecting to those they love. And, and that's really all that matters. So, that to me is very grounding every time I go away every every time I find myself you know with too much uh, with too far too much energy that's going in in the wrong directions I pull myself back and, I, and it grounds me it's a really good anchor for me that um, so so that's so that's something that I do as well which I love um, so yeah I also do some work with refugees um, 
which I love as well. I love anybody who's displaced and has lost everything. I love working with people who have lost everything because at one point that was my life. Yeah, and I love seeing what got them through it. Basically, I'm curious. There's a you know there's a, a military and a war kind of link here. Um, <laughs> that perhaps you could share just briefly, really, your story, really, how you got from Gibraltar to London. How did that happen? So I was living in Gibraltar till I was 18. I I always wanted more. I love Gibraltar. It's the most incredible place in the world. I had the most amazing, amazing childhood. Uh, teenagers were amazing, but I just wanted more, and I didn't know what it's that the best, more It has the best weather in the UK, by the way. <laughs> it really has. Um, <laughs> it was amazing, but I wanted more. So I decided to go to live in Israel. I was supposed to go just for two weeks. I ended up staying for a year. Uh, and then I ended up staying for, I came back to Gibraltar, ended up going back for another two years. Um, and I loved it there. I loved the freedom. I loved the amount of different cultures that lived there. I loved doing what I was doing. I was on kibbutz. I was working the fields, milking cows. Uh, the freedom of just not bothering what I look like, what I was dressed as. It was a very much farming type of community. I loved it. It was the happiest, happiest time of my life. Um, I did a bit of uh, a bit of army as well. It, it was all very interesting, very amazing stuff. And then the Gulf War struck, and they were handing out gas masks. Uh, and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go to London, live there for six months, and once things settle down, I'll come back to to Israel. And that was almost thirty years ago, and I know. I've gone back on holiday a million times, but I never went back to live. And I just stayed here because things worked out. And, you know, I had a good job. I've made loads of friends. I've always been able to make loads of friends wherever I go. And I had a great uh, bunch of friendships and having a lot of fun. And I got married, I had my kids. I wanted my kids to be educated here in the UK. So I stayed. And, and so... But, yeah, yeah, this is where I'm at, 30 years down the line. Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how things work out, really, isn't it? I know. can never really. We're, I think we're, as a species, we're pretty awful at being able to predict the future. So, no, just give up trying, really. With that. Exactly, exactly. So, what's the one thing you have um, at the moment, either, you know, in your personal life, whatever you, you're willing to share, um, personally or professionally, that you'd really like to change currently? Hmm. Personally or professionally, I wouldn't want to change anything. But I, I, I think for me, it's it's my love is writing books. Other than coaching, obviously, is is I've got at least two more books that I've written. And one of the things that my frustration is having to go having to go to look for other publishers, um, going through the whole publishing process again, which is always a little bit of a challenge and always a little bit uh, of a, a little bit of a minefield at times but yeah so I think for me is that I'm, I'm like raring to go and get them like publish and, and publish more and more and more books and sometimes I would just be able to love to be able to roll with it uh, but it's all the things within it that, that are often quite challenging and, and so so possibly that really is that frustration of wanting to, to, to move forward with that already but nothing else at the moment, I feel, I think I think at the moment things are the way they need to be and they're not perfect. Uh, they're turbulent still at times and sometimes they're super peaceful and I love it. And I really believe that that's how life has to be and it's, it's, it just is the way, it just is what it is and I, I'm, I'm I'm grateful for what I have and where I am, and and therefore there's nothing really that I need to change because I think whatever I have right now, I have for a reason, and it's not about me changing it. About it's about me seeing how I can live with some of it. So, if you could have given a message to Michelle, who had that moment of "Oh my God, I don't want to do therapy anymore. I simply cannot do therapy anymore," <laughs> um, you know, given. Given the journey that you've been on since then and all you've seen and learnt and all the experiences you've had, 
what would your message to, to that Michelle be? I think to trust myself more. I think when I first transitioned from therapist to coach, I did so many online programs, took on so many coaches. Um, My God, I did so many courses even within that. When I look back now, um, and certainly in writing my book, Look Inside, I stopped all of that. I thought, I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is and keep looking inside. If I need a public relations expert, I will do my own public relations. If I need somebody to do such and such, I will do it myself. I I didn't need those people. I really didn't. I just needed to trust myself and hear what it is that that I was best served doing. And all I did was reach out for other people's voices to have that validation. So I think my message would be to trust myself and to let go of seeking validation and and acknowledgement that would definitely be my message yeah and to me i would probably sum that up in that that what i've seen i see over and over again actually get reminded about it um there's a there's a wonderful difference between forcing and flowing yes and just allowing the flow of things and uh, yeah it's funny that you should say that because um Especially, you know, the the last talk that I gave was last November when I did the literary festival. And I remember speaking to a friend afterwards saying, right, I'm going to go from that to a TED talk. I was going, I was was just on a roll. And then I stopped and I thought, actually, here's what I'm not doing. I'm just not allowing. I'm forcing, but I'm not allowing. So it's interesting that you use that word because one of the big words on my whiteboard at the moment is allowing. Just allow and see what comes forth. Leave space for something to come in. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. And that applies, of course, to the experiences we're having, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and the emotions that we're feeling, you know, like, um, you know, I, 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 I think I put this in a meme once, but I'll, I'll often share it with clients. You know, some, some mornings I'll wake up close to tears because I can't believe how beautiful my life is. Other mornings I'll wake up close to tears because I think it's a fucking mess. And there's not much <laughs> that's actually changed between those two it's mornings. True. It's um, true. And it's just a case of, well, allowing that experience to, to unfold. Yes, and I think that's and I think that's a huge piece because when I coach my clients, often what they don't want to do is to allow that. Is they want to block that. They want to push that feeling away. They're okay to bring in the good feelings, but the moment that they feel uh, kind of inverted commas bad feelings or they feel paralyzed by anything, they resist it. And of course, what we resist persists. And to me, part of my work with them is, and because and, it was a big work from, in my own self, was to allow, to, to just allow it to come in. I, I see it very much like allowing it, like, on a, like if I had a stage with actors and you have one actor coming into the center stage, you put the spotlight on, and it's the moment for sadness or for anger or for anxiety to come in, you give it a bit of a moment, you give it a voice, and then you tell it, I think you've had your time and I think you need to get out. Mm. So that's very much how I see it. I now allow it, but I don't I don't feed it anymore. Yeah. Whereas I used to feed it, give it lunch, dinner and supper before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. So just finally then, Michelle, for you personally, what's the purpose of the work that you do? The purpose of my work is leaving a legacy. Uh, leaving a legacy, making a difference. You know, when I when I look at my you know my coaching videos that I've got online, uh, whether it's my articles, I've had hundreds of articles online, my books, all of that. I know that in years to come, my grandchildren, my great grandchildren, if they have an issue with something, they can go back to great grandma's uh, coaching video and find something. Even my daughter now, she calls me from uni, mommy, I'm feeling a bit stressed okay, here's that article I'm going to send you because here's what can help you. And it helps her. So, you know, for me, it's leaving something behind uh, that goes far and beyond what I can create here in this world. That's, that's what I find so amazing about having things done online, that I want to leave something behind. Um, to me, it's not just about leaving, you know, about living in this world and, and creating what we do, but then leaving 
parts of us here other than our kids other parts of us too beautiful piece and you know thank you for you know i i kind of re- relate to what you're saying there it's like um i don't know whether i create just to leave a legacy but i do like to simply create and and send something out on its way into the mm-hmm. world like i'm i am kind of proud of this podcast you know um in that you should be i don't know i don't know whether any grandchildren <laughs> or great-grandchildren will ever be listening to it but the fact that it's been listened to 20 odd thousand times that kind of blows mm-hmm. my mind um and so i want to thank you actually for coming on and, and being part of that and uh yeah so uh if there are any great grandchildren of mine listening to this i'm thinking of you right now <laughs> anyway thank you so much michelle it's been a lot of fun thank chatting you. with you Thank you very much for inviting me to be a guest on your podcast. I'm really honoured. Thank you. Thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with Michelle. These episodes are never rehearsed or scripted in any way. I, I don't even have a standard set of questions I intend on asking, although of course there are some common ones that do come up. But I never know where we'll go or what we'll uncover. And for me, that's part of the fun of chatting with someone and getting to know them. So I hope you've enjoyed getting to know Michelle a little more from this conversation. That whole thing around connecting is something we could probably talk about for hours and hours. It's something that I know many seem to make very complicated and yet it is the most natural thing we do as human beings connecting with each other and in that respect i'd love to connect and hear from you so what is your one thing you're going to take away from this conversation and how are you going to use that please do get in touch either via email at phil at philg.com or connect with me on facebook i've made that easy for you too it's fbphil.com and that'll take you to me on facebook what's your one thing you're going to take away and if you're enjoying this podcast please share it with your community and maybe take a minute to leave an honest review on itunes if you do that please let me know i may have something for you in return okay that's enough from me until next time i wish you much love and joy